We made a major breakthrough, but we found something better. And what I mean by better is lower risk, just as big of a reward or possibly bigger reward. If you come and visit it, you're going to walk on copper and gold for two days and you're still walking on our first targets out of several targets that we have. But if we're getting onto a Las Bombas discovery, and we will see that initially in our drill program pretty quickly, the kind of value that can be created for this company, it's, it's substantial. This would be one of the biggest discoveries globally that I'm aware of in the last two decades if it starts to come together. And that's just the top 10% of our 130,000 hectares. Hello and welcome to Crux Investor. We spoke earlier today to Ivan Bebek. He's the executive chairman of Oren Resources. They're a gold explorer with assets in Peru and Canada. And we speak to him about lessons learned from the past and how that is affecting strategy and decision making going forward. Talk about remuneration for the directors and the need to finance their projects and the up and coming drill program for 2020. And if that indeed that's going to make a difference. If you want to look at any of those topics, look in the description below, click on that timestamp. That'll take you to that part of the video. And if I could ask that you click the button in the corner of the screen to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And of course, if you want to see more videos like these, please click the notification bell. Let's hear what Ivan had to say. Hello, Ivan. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Now, we've tried a few times to speak, but I think we've been missing each other. So I'm delighted to have you on board. Can we kick off with a one minute summary of the business just for people new to this story? And then we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, Oren is a premier exploration company. We're focused on tier one discoveries around the globe. Um, as a group, we had some great successes in the last 15 years. We've leveraged off those successes to build a world-class technical team, predominantly former Newmont geologists. And our goal as a company is to go make these big tier one discoveries that aren't being made anymore in the business. Um, as far as that goes, we have projects in Canada and Peru. We have three projects that meet that criteria. And we spent $100 million putting this together in the last four and a half years. And we're at the forefront to drilling these big discoveries. So a very exciting time for us. We're an aggressive group, huge financial or money raising capabilities. And now we're at the most exciting stage of possibly executing on the first of those big discoveries. Okay. So you said a few quite interesting things there, but let, let's start first of all with what's going on up here. The, the plan. Okay. So you're in Peru, you're in Canada, you've got a lot of moving parts. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you've got a big market cap. We'll get into finances in a second, but what are you trying to piece together here? You're talking about being an explorer who does what? In our last company, and this is probably the best way to, to, to describe it, we drilled 100 holes in Mexico mm -hmm. and three years of creating this company, we sold it for $200 million during the exploration phase, right? Now, that wasn't the number we were looking for, but it was the right thing to do at the time because we took a lot of the risk out of the project and we drilled a lot of the value that could be there. And so what we're trying to do is that on a much bigger scale with this company here. We're not miners. In our first company we created, we found a mine and we ended up building a mine, bringing in the personnel to do that. But where we deliver value to shareholders is through the discovery curve. And the best exit for any exploration company in the world is to sell your company. So what we want to do with Oren is we want to possibly sell it a couple times or two or three times if we have assets that genuinely give us that opportunity. Um, that discovery curve is what we get up for out of the bed. And we hope that we can find a discovery that's big enough in a market that's demanding it enough that can result in a transaction that's high enough to benefit our shareholders. So our, our goal is to make big discoveries and sell them during that discovery curve to a bigger company that's looking for the, the growth. Got it. Okay. You're not miners. 
you sound like you're very good promoters though, because you know, 100 <laughs> holes, 200 million bucks, I, I take that any day of the week. Did, did you make money with that? Yes, we, we made a tremendous amount. Um, the 100 holes that we drilled, just for, for clarification, because being good promoters is necessary to be able to raise money. But the company that bought it, Agnico Eagle, they were on our project for a year and a half before they bought it. So you can promote as well as you want. You can't promote geologists that know your project better than you do because it's science that's going to lead the opportunity, right? What we did really well there was we put together a big district that had a lot of showings that gave a lot of potential. And this is why they bought it. Mm -hmm. They could have come out with five or 10 million ounces of gold. Yeah. I mean, uh, when, when you look to Oren and what we're doing here, we're taking that ability to finance and to promote ourselves to create value for shareholders and we're using it at a much higher level for much more difficult assets, but much bigger rewards is kind of where we've gone with it, right? So I, I think to be to be fair, we're looking at an opportunity as a group to just deliver bigger successes that we've done before. And the promotional ability just helps us raise money. Well, it helps you raise money, but also helps you sell. The, 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 those two, yeah. two things happen, right? But so you're... So the idea is you're optioning a bunch of licenses, permitted areas. In this case, Peru, you've got three down there. You've got three up in Canada, BC, and over in, um, on the East Coast as well. Those are individual projects. Not There's no correlation between them other than what your geos are capable of telling you about them, right? But yes. you need money to do that. You, you, large holdings means equates large amounts of money their liability for me, right? So your ability to raise money is is important. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about where you've come from because it helps inform where you're going. Okay. So if I if I look at halfway through 2016, towards the end of 2017, you were the darling of the market. Everyone loved that story. You told the story well. Then what happened? Well, then we hit the general 2017, 2018 sell-off in the market. It was it was almost like 2016 was a false start to the bull market. And a lot of us, and I'm a big investor outside of our company as well and other people's companies, hmm. a lot of us got the false start wrong. And what we haven't done yet for shareholders is we haven't drilled that big discovery hole. Um, we spent $60 million at Committee Bay. We raised that money at a 40% premium to our spot. Gold Corp gave us about $38 million of the $60 million for the Committee Bay project. And um, we've come a long way. We've been trying to find a mine at Committee Bay in a very tough environment underneath a lot of cover. And we've been using a lot of science. We've even brought in AI technology, which is at no cost to us, to try and crack the code of how to find these big discoveries in the north. But because we haven't drilled those discovery holes up north, we haven't been able to sustain that movement in our share price, that market darling kind of treatment we have. Hmm. In the backside, as a consequence of being a little bit more aggressive and looking at more than one projects and balancing ourselves between Committee Bay up north where things are seasonal, we went down to Peru. And we went to Peru because a guy by the name of Miguel Cardozo, who was discovered the Yanacocha mine as a gold mine, which is a 60 million ounce discovery, he had a package of properties, some ideas down there on some incredible conceptual ideas. Mm -hmm. And his track record of finding endowment like 60 million ounces was astounding. Uh, Michael Hendrickson, our chief geologist, had worked with Miguel back in the Newmont days or knew of him since then. So we thought committee base tough. We spent a lot of money here, but we don't want to be hamstrung. 
to a northern Canadian project because you can fail that way and run out of ability to mm -hmm. raise money. And then we got taken by surprise by our Sombrero project, which has gotten global attention, not just from major mining companies, analysts, billionaires around the space. Everyone's paying attention to this. And, you know, it's kind of how the exploration business works for all of our companies. You start somewhere and you end up somewhere else with right. a discovery where you never thought you'd find it. We were gold focused. Now we're talking about a tier one copper, predominantly copper gold swing down in Peru. But to your point earlier, um, you know, our business model and where did we come from from 2016 and, and why didn't we deliver? It was market condition oriented and it was lack of discovery holes for the market that we haven't been able to deliver. But we've counterbalanced that with a better opportunity than right. we think. Thank okay, so, and, I, and I do want to deal with this because it, it's much discussed in chat rooms and forums and, and, and the like, blogs, etc. Is so you're, th you're saying totally market condition, right? Meaning access to finance. And the, and, the, mm -hmm. and the fact that people are not interested in mining, it, cannabis usually, usually gets the blame for that. Um, but what you're saying is the model, your business model, you don't think was wrong. It was a case of we, we tried to find what we, 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 wor we worked on, what we thought was quite a good asset. It wasn't. It's mining. That happens. But we've gone and segued off to something which could be a better story. Is it, I'll twist that just a little bit. Please. And I'll say it. We're very proud of every dollar we've spent. It's gone with a lot of science by some of the smartest guys technically on the planet, right? The asset at Committee Bay is, is not a bad asset by any means. It's still one of my favorite assets in the world for major gold discoveries. The If you followed our news this year, we, we found a signal in our geophysics that's showing high grade. We've been drilling mineable widths for the last three years up there. So we're drilling 20, 30, 40 meters of those are mineable widths but the decimal's in the wrong place. It's 0.67 versus 6.7 grams, right? So even though people are frustrated or fatigued with that asset, and a lot of people would say exactly what you said, it's, it's not a great asset, it didn't work. In the meantime, we made a major breakthrough, but we found something better. And what I mean by better is lower risk, just as big of a reward or possibly bigger reward. So Sombrero, if I give you a one-liner or two-liners on it, if you come and visit it, you're gonna walk on copper and gold for two days and you're still walking on our first targets out of several targets that we have. That is spectacular in terms of anywhere on the planet to go walk on that. That's a lot easier to target something you're standing on than something you can't see in the Arctic, right? In small seasonal windows you get to no, work. No, that's great. No, no, I, I buy that. And I do wanna come on and talk about that one, but just let, let's just deal with this. So you, you Okay, you say the you say the asset was good. You're proud of the dollars spent on it, but it, it is what it is. And sometimes you just need to walk away, or else you keep wasting money on it. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, sometimes nope. sometimes people don't do that, so there's nothing wrong with that. But you you've moved on to a, a project, and you're saying it's much better. We'll walk on gold and copper for two days. Great, but. What do you think you're going to suffer a little bit from the sort of legacy of this 2016, 2017 false start a bit on that, or are you finding that people are forgiving and it's they'll, they'll you know take you at your word this time? I think that, and that's a great question, very pointed. It's um, two things. The day we stop going up to Committee Bay is not the day we run out of money. It's the day we stop finding new scientific reasons to try something different. And that hasn't come yet. So we still, we've, we've turned a major, a major corner after $60 million that we think is probably it, but it's different from anything we've tried up there. 
if we do the same thing over and over, that's the definition of insanity, getting the same results, correct? And so we're not insane people. Um, you know, if you invested with us back when we started up there at around $1.20 per share, our first financing, we went to $4 to $3.75 twice. So we've gone through volatility and we've made people or given people a lot of chance to have a discovery. Um, the credibility or losing credibility and losing face when you start an exploration company, you're on a timeline to deliver a success and you're diluting each time you raise money. So you're going to lower the potential value for shareholders going forward. So what we decided early on was creating a portfolio of multiple projects that would mitigate that risk and would give us a chance to switch into a different project that might come to better with better opportunity, as I've said in Sombrero, mm -hmm. right? So our goal here is not to stop working at Committee Bay. We think we're finally going to hit the big one and it's going to be worth the five years or six years it took to get there. But we're making a shift because we don't want to dilute ourselves too much without getting a result. And that's what Peru's offering us right now is a more immediate result that will give us a lot more capital, a lot more reasons to do that. And I have to say one last thing, because we look at our Canadian assets as a separate entity from our Peruvian assets, We've discussed and I've said it publicly about a conceptual splitting of the two so that the Canadian assets do not dilute the Peruvian assets and we can deliver two potential successes for investors going forward. Right. I guess you need to work out what that looks like and how shareholders are sitting on, you know, having paid, you know, three bucks for this thing or are going to recoup their money, as it were. But that's one for another day because that sounds quite complicated. Um, so, so let's talk. Let's talk about what's going on in Peru. You, you've got. You, what, what do you know? Not what you hope. What do you know right now? Because you're very again early stage with that. Um, you're going to start. I've, I've heard you talk about drilling for the next eighteen months, which is fantastic. How are you financing that? You want to know what we know first. We'll go through that. Then I'll talk about how we're financing it. Um, Thank you. There's a mine called Las Bombas. It's tenth um, largest copper mine in the world. There's a series of other mines beside it. And the theory we had was that that same package of rocks that host those mines continue to where we have staked and acquired our ground, the Sombrero project. Um, we know they're the same exact age, date of rocks and intrusions that have created Las Bombas and the other five major mines there. We know that the average grade of all of our samples taken to date is the same average grade of what Las Bombas is. These are things we know. We know that the, the historical drill holes we found in the project, they're not drilled very deep, but they carry the same grade that they do on surface and the same as Las Bombas and those mines there. We know that there's two types of rock. There's an intrusion and an oxi oxidized copper zone on top. But we also know that the sulfides beneath it, which is going to be the volume rock, they all carry grade of both copper and gold. These are the things we know about it. So as an analog, mm -hmm. we know that we have the same rocks, the same age of rocks, same type of rocks, and we have the same scale and footprint in just some of our concessions as Las Bombas itself. Right. So these are what we know about it. The hopes and dreams are something different. Mm -hmm. um, to drill for 18 months and what we're setting up to do, we're going to need some capital, no question. Um, if you paid attention to our finances this year, we raised $13 million of our own money. $1.60 insiders bought a million dollars worth of the financing. Uh, we raised, I believe, about $6 million. In the summer, to finance a program at Committee Bay, we did a $3 million raise at $3 with the charity flow-through mechanism. 
the financing was done at 215 that was done by my family so we didn't go to market for that either and then in august we bridged ourselves with one of our largest shareholders who's helped us build not only Orin but our previous companies as well um we bridged ourselves with a three million dollar bridge loan that we could expand to six million dollars and the reason why we did this is because we've been getting money offered money all year i get offered 10 to 15 us every week by us hedge funds that i've never met in my life they only know my share symbol and they know my chart and my liquidity and my volume right so we're not in the business of accepting investors we don't know one of the strongest parts of what we do and why we have such a good market cap is our shareholder registry we have been buying our stock not just with ourselves as management but also with um, some key marquee investors in our company we've been buying our company all year long and so we need about 15 million dollars to get us started 20 Four million dollars gives us an 18 an 18 month budget and this would allow us to drill sombrero continuously on multiple targets as well as to drill our curry buyer project too so that being said i'll just finish is that the one thing we've done in every financing we've done in every company we've formed together is we've been extremely strategic and very selective of the investors so we have a plan we put together and now we're just in the middle of executing that as we speak right a lot of numbers there the 13 million is basically an extended friends and family round. Is that what you're saying? Or, or it's just private placement. Non-brokered, private placement, internal, ourselves. We're funding ourselves, friends and family. And Correct. Th this, these are equity. Well, there's a kind of, um, there's a bridging loan in there. So it's a kind of debt, small, de deferred debt. Small bridge, small bridge loan for 3 million, 10 million of just straight equity. Uh, no warrants on anything except for we gave a small warrant on the bridge loan. Um, again, the bridge loan investor owns about 7 million shares of Orin, bought maybe a million plus in the last two months. And he also bridged the company. We're doing this in a very friendly way because we're staying away from doing a deal with investors we don't know. And we're trying to bring in a marquee investor or two that would validate us in terms of the opportunity and strengthen our shareholder registry so that if we do get onto the discovery we're hoping to do, we can command a lot better shareholder structure and better prices going forward. Right, okay. So, so again, I'm sorry to labor this because I do want to understand the, the, the thinking sure. and the logic here. I, I get you want a strong register of friendly people who aren't going to go and dump stuff in the market and it affects mm -hmm. liquidity in a negative way, okay? Um, so you, this, this 13 million bucks, how much of that have you got left today? Uh, we, we run out of money in February, right? And so we would need to raise capital or pull down another bridge loan on the back of it if we haven't done a raise between now and February. And it's not so much the trading that I worry about here. Usually it is the trading on being selective. I actually worry about very competitive corporate interest on what we have in Peru. And I worry about not selling the company too early if we get it right. And the if being the proverbial word there. Right, because we are early stage exploration. I just, you know, we need to remind ourselves of this. So, you, you, February, you need to go back out, and potentially you may get an extension to the um, the debt facility that, that's there. Mm -hmm. Six may become sorry, three may become six or seven. Like it, it could become six, right? Um, okay, but but we're not going to go that far. We're we're likely just going to do a, a raise between now and then. Right. Our goal is between now and the end of January to be financed for the next two years. Okay, cool. And what's that money been spent on? What have you managed to generate in terms in the, of value or knowledge from with that thirteen sure. million? Sure. So the thirteen million dollars 
we found historical drill holes that have given us the first look at the third dimension of the project. Mm. We've age dated our, our rocks to confirm they're the same age as all the mines next door. I mean, if you have hundreds of meters of the same grade on surface, it's generally enough. But knowing that it fits into the same age era as the big major mines next door is a major compliment. Mm. We acquired a project called Kuribaya or the other half of Kuribaya that we've been after for four years. Mm. And this has become a comparative to Sombrero, but more precious metal oriented. Mm. Um, we've gotten through the permitting process. We're pretty mature in the permitting process. We've maintained our, our shareholder currency in the marketplace. And so, and we've created more opportunities with more parties to be more selective on a financing. But ultimately we've de-risked our knowledge of Sombrero. Mm. We have acquired another asset that is gonna be substantial in our opinion as an exploration opportunity. And we've created more financing opportunities. The strategy this year was not just to chase the right investor, but we decided in Q1, Q2, we, we thought internally that we're gonna see a much better metals market towards the end of this year and into next year. And that was the big speculation we took and we did it with our own money, right? And so we're now seeing much better metal prices than we did previously. We were right about the market. It's something we've timed extremely well. And that was the other reason why we did it. Okay, interesting. And so presumably, if you've done this big friends and family round, the, I mean, how did the, the directors remit? You're buying shares, you and Sean are buying shares, right? So are you paying yourselves as well? Or are you just plowing yeah. money into the company? Oh, no, we, we, we work. I work 16, 14, 16 hours a day. I work about six days a week. And I wouldn't be able to look my wife in the face if I didn't take a paycheck. But I've put three and a half million into the company, buying predominantly through open market purchases. So mm. I'm really financing myself um, to have a job in, in, in a sense. I'm, I'm not I'm not making any money from my company, but there's a business model that if you work, you should you should take some type of a salary. Right. right. And um, it just goes across the entire management group. Now, one thing we haven't done in about a year and a half is we haven't taken any bonuses. And uh, so we've we've been more diligent about financing ourselves we've been very modest with our employees they've been very patient with us mm. but with ourselves as executives we're not taking bonuses right now because um we're not fully funded our share price is up 45 48 percent year to date yeah. one would say you're entitled you're performing that way but we have a bigger picture here we want to deliver and we want to deliver a funded entity that has enough working capital to make these discoveries before we accept any kind of additional okay. remuneration. That's what So I mean, you're 180 market cap, okay, you're up 46% for the year. It was, you know, so it's all good. The, you know, metals, gold is up. You know, I mean, sure. I think the producers have seen more of an upside, but you, you've done pretty well as an explorer. I'd say it's one of the more exceptional returns. Um, but is that a thing that the directors of an explorer with no cash being generated, no revenue, no income, would, pay, would think about paying themselves a bonus? Was it, what, what, how do you, how do they do? Not necessarily you, but you know, you're saying that that that's something that could should have happened or could have happened for you. Is that a normal thing in this industry? Well, I think a lot of people treat their treasuries differently, right? Mm. We treat the treasuries as if it is our own money. In a lot of cases, a lot of the money is ours or friends and family, right? So, a lot of guys, you work your butt off for the year and you're entitled. You deliver some great milestones. You an incredible share price performance against the entire all of our peers you're number one and if people that don't have a drill permit haven't drilled a hole 
that aren't financed. We're still performing incredibly well for shareholders. So one would say you're entitled to a bonus, but in, in that sense, uh, I think for the directors in an unfinanced company to be paying bonuses would be absolutely wrong. And I think other companies could do stuff like that. Everyone has a different plan, but for us, we don't. The other thing we're doing is we're implementing a new a new procedure for the granting of bonuses and stock options where instead of us determining with our own compensation committee about what we should get, we're actually going to peg ourselves against our peers and how we perform against our peers will be how we determine our bonuses. This is something that Sean and I are, are, are very adamant about because, you know, I, I don't care if you've achieved the best project in the world. If your stock has gone up 2% on the year, you're not entitled to a 50% bonus of your salary. Yeah. If you achieved a incredible return amongst all your peers and you're leading for your investors who make money off your share price, and you've done that as well, achieve that big project, then I think you're entitled to a bonus. So bonuses historically have been done differently going forward. The way mm -hmm. we're implementing is that based off of our performance against our peers, that's how we're going to bonus ourselves and other people within that, our team. That could be interesting. I've, n I've not heard that before. That would be interesting. It, uh, it's starting with the bigger, the bigger mining companies, I think, are starting to do that. Mm. If you remember some of the scrutiny that went on Detour Gold and some of the other ones, there was a lot of you know contention towards how people were receiving bonuses in the bear market when they weren't performing. Um, going forward, I think you should be measured amongst your peers and by your share price performance. If we're down 50% of the year, I will not take a bonus. There's no way I would. Okay, here's here's one for you. Reward yourself when the when the when the shares are heading up. What do you do when they head back down? Well, I said if the if we were down 50% of the year or yeah. a percentage on the year, I, I would not look for a bonus from it. I don't. So need there's a, a kind of cut. There's a there's a more general conversation, not necessarily. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's iterative on your performance. If yeah. you perform. You get a bonus. There will be a minimum amount because you need to keep people employed and towing the line and working for the company. And we don't control market conditions. Mm. And no matter how well you may have performed, you might get you know under performance. But you know we don't have any income. This is yeah. an exploration company. We are very very adamant that you know in in terms of the bigger picture, eighty percent of our money, one hundred million we've raised so far has gone into the ground over five years or four and a half years, yeah. right? Um, we do have a healthy burn rate because we have seven projects in two countries. Um, in terms of that, when we took the money from Goldcorp, they gave us $36 million, which turned into 40 with charity flow through, what have you. Yeah. 89% of the money went into the ground. And that's something that is different from all of our peers. No, that's, that, that, that's good. So let's, let's finish off the money. You're going to need to raise some money in February. You are going to go out to the open market for that, or is it another extended friends and family? We're, we're looking at marquee investors. Right, We've sorry, spoken many, and between now and the end of February, you might see one of those financings happen. We're not going to the open market. We will not do a warrant and we're not going to finance with anybody that doesn't add significant value to our shareholder. Beautiful. So with that money, whoever that marquee or a couple of marquee strategic investors are, are they going to put conditions on you? you? You have seven projects. Your burn rate is high. What do they want you to focus on? Is it going to be at project level or is it going to be at Topco? Yeah, use of proceeds is kind of where you're going. And um, when we took the $40 million from Goldcorp, there was no conditions on where we spent the money. There was a lot of trust and respect between mm -hmm. how we spent it. Mm -hmm. And we spent it as we said we were going to spend it. And the ratio was 90% roughly into the ground. Um, with this next financing that we do with these investors 
Um, we have a fixed burn rate that's not going to change no matter how performance goes mm -hmm. unless we're doing more drilling or more work and we need more technical personnel. Mm -hmm. So the burn rate's going to be fixed, but it's all going to go towards drilling in Peru right now. That's where the bulk of the capital is going to. Um, you know, as I said before, I think Canada is a bit of back burner for now. Mm -hmm. We need to explore that targeting breakthrough a bit further but no real capital will go that way. It's all going to be in Peru and the buyers will be seeing that upfront. Okay, right. So Canada is a little bit of money, but you're going to basically, not multiple, park it for now, focus on what you think is the big prize. Yeah, yes. beautiful. Okay. Yes. Um, there's clearly going to be a little bit of dilution, but you're up 46% for the year. I don't think anyone's going to complain too much about that. There's two types of dilution, right? There's financing dilution and there's bringing a marquee investor dilution, right? Mm. If we bring in the right investor and it increases the credibility of the opportunity in the company, we're all going to benefit more as shareholders. So whether I needed the money or not, I would still find a way to dilute to bring one of those marquee investors in. Mm. I think we have a very defensive attitude towards how we've been performing and how we might perform if we get it right. Mm. Um, it's a big swing though. I mean, if we get it wrong, what happens then? I mean, that's the question you have to ask. You're doing all this stuff assuming success and you have a lot of optimism is what rhetorically what you tell yourself. Yeah. Um, I think that we believe that time is going to serve a big discovery for us with the next financing we do, if not immediately, shortly after. We think it's going to be there. Brilliant. Okay. And 18 months of drilling, financed in February, you're going to get anything. Have you got all your permits in place? Uh, no, we don't. Right. Um, that's been the big holdback on our share price performing even further potentially. Um, two things. One is our $180 million market cap is being validated. Third party opinions of Sombrero mining analysts have recently been down to site. The common denominator of a third party validation is parallel to what we think it is. If we're even half right with what we're saying, we're tremendously undervalued on a very speculative perspective, right? So when you look at that and you look at, you know, where we go with our finances and how that's going to go with permitting, we've been kind of waiting until we got the second major phase of our Peruvian permit, which is called the DIA. Um, as we're talking on this interview, I'm going to check my emails to see if we've received better observations right after this interview, because today is the day we're supposed to hear. Okay. Peru is, uh, has been taking about nine months on average for people to get a DIA. We filed ours at the end of June. It's only December. So we'll be one of the fastest permitted DIAs in Peru. What's happened to us on the permitting side is everyone thinks we started permitting in February and we filed it then. We did not because we found those historical drill holes and we moved all of our pads around on the project so we could be more surgical with our first drill program. Mm -hmm. We filed at the end of June. We expect our DIA, I would say between now and mid-January, our guidance was November. Mm -hmm. It's obviously taking a bit longer, but it's, it's progressing slowly and we don't see any red flags. It could be received this afternoon right. or it could be a couple Q1. more weeks right after. Let's go, it, 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 it happens in Q1. Let's say it happens in Q1, the market's still moving. Um, yeah. You start drilling, you're going to be putting out results on a reasonably regular basis, I guess, because yeah. you're, you're expecting yeah. great things. You're certainly indicating great things to the market. Um, you think that's going to move the dial more? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we're talking about, if you do comparison to Las Bombas and all the things we know about it, 
if we're at the start of a Las Bombas that sold for $8 billion in 2014, the metal value was $6 billion, right? Mm. Copper is on a, on a trajectory to do well. I mean, I know the seasonality is there. I know that the inventories are low, mm. the outlook's positive, but if we're getting onto a Las Bombas discovery, and we will see that initially in our drill program pretty quickly, the kind of value that can be created for this company, it's, it's substantial. This would be one of the biggest discoveries globally that I'm aware of in the last two decades, if it starts to come together. And that's just the top 10% of our 130,000 hectares. If you followed our news, we're finding even more robust areas within our claims that we haven't got to yet, mm. that we're going to be exploring parallel to drilling this first area. So I think what, what the descriptions come back is there's a, a pipeline of discoveries to be made here, mm -hmm. of tier one discoveries to be made in this land position. Mm. We didn't just replicate Las Bombas. We actually were first movers screening an entire belt. We sampled 7,000 square kilometers and everything with a really good gold and copper signature overlapping, we acquired, right? And if you look to the mines next door, it's Las Bombas, Tintaya, Anticapai. These are some of the largest copper mines in Peru, and some of them rank as the, some of the top ones in the world, sure. we, we think we have all the real estate to replicate that entire belt on the western side of the belt where we're working. And you'll know more next year when you start drilling. So as soon as the drill turns, I mean, that's going to be the big machine yeah. that comes out. Well, I think I think and that's could, what's important to the marketplace is, you know, yeah. you, you know, like I say, it's, it's early stages and it's nice having these this neurology component to it with some pretty pretty big uh, numbers attached to it but you know you've you've got to deliver as well this year so i look forward to hearing about the drilling and the drill results on a regular basis uh but i think first things first get that get that financing done and that strategic partner yes. in brilliant yes. thank you very much i've really enjoyed it it's been fascinating listening to you I, I know i've listened to a lot of podcasts that you've been on and your backstory is fascinating you know how to create value. I want to see you do it here. So stay in touch. Let us know how you get on. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a real pleasure.